Kaysan, and hello. Welcome to Nordic Insights, where I introduce you to high-achieving Nordics and Nordic-inspired people with niche expertise in business, lifestyle, education, innovation, tech, travel, and more. I'm your host, Satu Raunola, a Finn passionate about all things Nordic, as well as yoga, running, sustainability, well-being, and great coffee. Listen in for some tips on Nordic approaches to a happier and more holistic business and personal life. Join me to explore Nordic common sense and trends in this complex world. This podcast is delivered to you every Wednesday. It would be fabulous if you could predict the future, don't you think? I'm super excited to introduce my guest who can actually do it. Johnny Thorson is a global travel technology evangelist and futurist in the corporate travel and mobile world. He is a Dane and fellow Nordic based in California. Johnny has had an extremely impressive career within the travel, procurement and mobile world after living and working in five different countries in EMEA, APAC and now in USA. He has been named twice as one of the 25 most influential people in the travel industry by Business Travel News. Firstly, in 2010, as CEO and co-founder of Contigo, a UK-based startup acquired by Conquer Technologies, and again in 2018 as VP of Strategy and Partnerships for Messi. Johnny has also acted as strategic advisor for multiple other startups. Let's find out what has his journey been like and how do you become a futurist? Good evening, Johnny. Thank you for joining us all the way from California. How are you doing over there? You have massive wildfires in California. Are they close by where you are? They uh, they were. Uh, the closest was about 50 kilometers uh, south of where I live. Uh, that's now completely under control. Uh, so now they're about 120 kilometers north of me. Uh, so not far away, but um, you know, close enough that we still get lots of smoke. So today we have an air quality index of around 100. A week ago it was at 250. So it's much better today than last week. We we know what you're going through, going through the same thing here in Sydney last year. Yes, of course. Yeah, you know it very well down under. Oh, it was very unpleasant and very scary. Yeah. Now, before we start talking about COVID and travel and the future of travel, which I'm sure our audience is very keen to learn from you, let's talk about you and your very successful journey in the travel industry. Now, I learned that you worked as a IT director at um, Barry Hansen Reise Bureau in Copenhagen in 1991. So was that the start of your very successful journey? Not quite. Uh, and Berg Hansen was actually in Oslo. Uh, that is a Norwegian uh, TMC. But um, I started out in, in Denmark, in my home country, working as a software developer, uh, literally developing back-office systems uh, for travel agencies. And that's how I had my first contact with the travel industry. And um, it's ironic, but after kind of three years of developing uh, Europe's first PC-based back-office system, I decided I had enough of travel, and I actually left the travel industry for a brief period of six months. 
and okay. uh, and actually <laughs> I actually joined a startup that was set up by uh, some of the largest banks in Denmark at the time which was uh, kind of created to introduce PC technology to the banking sector and then a big banking crisis hit the financial sector in Denmark and uh, we got shut down and uh, when I started looking for a new job my old customer from Norway Berg Hansen Travel they reached out and asked if I would be interested in in coming up to Norway and effectively start an IT department from scratch uh, and that's when I became IT director for Berg Hansen in uh, 1991 Okay. And so can you tell us a bit about shortly about your journey? How did you end up where you are today? Yeah, so um it's 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 really interesting as I said I I started as a software developer, but when I moved to Norway and became the IT director, I suddenly faced the interesting situation of being my own customer because I was now the owner and user of a system I had been part of developing and selling in my previous job and uh, it taught me one <laughs> that's, that's a great great learning very great learning <laughs> because it taught me I still think one of the most valuable lessons for me which is never over promise but always over deliver yes. because when investment decisions are made around new technology they are really made in the hope and expectations of getting a good return on investment and if the supplier has kind of overpromised and end up under delivering the return on investment is gone and you now have a disaster project mm-hmm. so uh, ever since i saw how important it was to understand what the return on investment was uh, that's been one of my guiding principles to always explain very clearly what the technology can and cannot do I ended up having four years in Norway uh, as the IT director and uh, grew the IT department from a size of zero to six employees when I when I left Berkhansen. And my next job was over in London, where I became the European uh, head of technology for uh, what was back then called BTI, Business Travel International, which was a network of a strong uh, kind of regional TMCs around the world. And my job at the time was to create a common IT strategy for, I think, a total of 28 countries across Europe, which was quite a challenge because each country, each market, each partner had their own kind of uh, skills and capabilities and operating environment. And this was in the very, very early days of uh, of the internet uh, in 95, 96. So it it was a big challenge to create a a common IT strategy. Oh, it must be amazing to um, learn about cross-cultural uh, communication and processes. Absolutely. And that was exactly one of the key challenges here, that suddenly my IT skills became less important because it was more about making people from different countries and cultures find out how to get a compromise in place that everybody could accept. And if you think back in history, 95-96 was when the old Soviet Union collapsed. So part of the challenge was that we had a number of new countries literally becoming new partners for BGI. Uh, so places like Estonia and Kazakhstan uh, were new partners that we had to find out how to integrate to a kind of common IT strategy. It was an incredible, interesting and, and challenging uh, project. Yeah, um, sounds like that. So where did you uh, where where did your journey um, led after that? So um, 
1997, I was still with BTI at the time. Uh, I was on a trip to the US and uh, for the first time saw how the online technology, the internet, uh, could start interacting with travel. And uh, I came back to Europe and spent the next six months trying to convince the BTI board to invest early in the online environment. And uh, I did not win that battle. And therefore, I decided to say goodbye. And i actually ended up having a short spell of, uh, of being an independent kind of a one-man company for three months where I became the reseller of one of the early booking engine, uh, a product that was back then known as eTravel, which was built by two people from Oracle who had kind of left Oracle and, and built a booking engine. Uh, and I literally uh, had the reseller rights in Europe for e-travel before it was an Amadeus product. And I did land one customer, uh, Novartis, in Switzerland at the time. And uh, after three months, we had to conclude that the product was nowhere near ready or <laughs> prepared to be launched in Europe. It, it basically did not work in Europe. So um, that was the second time I kind of joined a startup uh, and tried from scratch and uh, it failed. So um, I was back to the drawing board, and uh, when I started looking for what to do next, I got contacted from California by one of the kind of the first corporate online booking engines with real money behind them, uh, Get There. And in April '98, I joined Get There to kind of launch them in Europe and uh, rest of the world, basically. And I spent five years uh, being part of an incredible, successful, and exciting journey. And that's really when I would say I moved away from the traditional operational TMC world into the customer-facing, the traveler-facing frontline technology. Online travel was an incredible, interesting area at the time, and everything was new and had to be done for the first time. So it was an endless list of challenges to overcome and figure out how to make things work. Uh, it, it was incredible, interesting. Right, and that must be when first time really you started thinking about the needs of the traveler, the, what the needs yes. would be, and more like a personalization. Absolutely. Until until I joined Get There, my focus had mostly been on on the back end, uh, so how to get reporting and accounting data and data quality from the TMC operation uh, to work. Uh, but suddenly with online, with Get There, it was all about the traveler experience and the travel manager experience. So uh, it, it was a, a big shift, and uh, I would say that's kind of dominated the rest of my career in travel, really, what I learned in those early days. And uh, I know, Satsu, you are from Finland, right? Uh, my first project in Get There was to fly to Finland at the time. Nokia was the launch customer in uh, in Europe for Get There in '98. And uh, I had to fly up and explain to Nokia that uh, this technology is new. It will not work until probably six to 12 months from now. But uh, let's work together and make it happen. And Nokia decided to stay with the project. And we did launch about a year later uh, and had a successful rollout. So uh, Finland was kind of the launch country for the Get There technology in Europe at the time. Oh well, that's very interesting to know. That's a that's a positive <laughs> positive news. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now then, you you had a stint at uh, Travelport before you uh, before you started in your own company, Contigo. Yeah. Yeah. So. I spent five years with Get There, uh, and when they got acquired by Sabre, uh, that's when I decided to kind of uh, move on. Uh, and at the time, you know, Travelport as we know them today, back then they were called Sendent. 
uh, and Sentent owned both the Galileo, the Apollo, and the WorldSpan GDS platform, but they were operating all three separately. And uh, in 2003, Sentent did not have a corporate booking solution at all, but they had just acquired a small company in Seattle called, ironically, Travelport. And uh, I joined Sentin to help them bring the travel port technology first to Europe, but also to Asia, Asia Pacific. And uh, it was part of that agreement that meant that I, I moved to Sydney in 2004 and came out to kind of kickstart the online uh, technology for what became travel port uh, in the entire Asia Pac region. And I spent two years working with uh, with Sentin uh, out of Sydney. Uh, and then they decided to change their strategy and, and break up the big sentence into a number of smaller businesses. Uh, and that's where Travelport was created. But at the same time, they decided to stop the focus on corporate online technology in, in Asia-Pac. Uh, and I was basically told that my, my role would not be there anymore. Uh, I could either come back to London and work for them there or do something else. And uh, that was when the Contigo project had started to kind of uh, become a reality. Contigo was founded or created as an idea after the London bombings in 2005 uh, when the underground bombings took place in London. That was when the idea of a product that could communicate with thousands of travelers uh, in a second came around. And uh, me and my co-founder, we started developing uh, a prototype. And in early 2007, we had the first version of a kind of product ready. Uh, and that's when I said goodbye to Travelport, and uh, we went all in on the Contigo project. And that was uh, such an amazing success story. So you had a two-man startup, and you uh, within five years you had twenty staff, and you became a global company. Yes. And you had uh, three of the top twenty-five global enterprises as a customer. Now, what what was the secret of your success? Can you say a few things that you think that made you guys so successful? successful? One of the, the, I think the you know the components was the fact that this was now my third time doing a startup, so uh, hopefully I would have learned from the two first ones, and and I've, of course I knew what to look out for. I knew how to position new technology early on to early customers. But more importantly, this was the first time I was in charge of the product development and strategy. In my two previous startups, I had been dependent on others. So uh, I knew that there was no excuse this time. Uh, We had to get the technology right. So we were extremely focused on identifying two or three key problems that our customers wanted us to solve for them. And it's interesting looking back in history, uh, Finland once again, became the launch place for the Contigo technology uh, into the corporate space. And it was still Nokia, who was uh, still a global powerhouse back in 2007-2008. Nokia became our first corporate customer, and they really wanted something that would work on mobile phones uh, from their traveler perspective. So uh, we launched there first. Then we went to uh, other markets and other companies like Lego and Microsoft and JP Morgan. And for everyone, we solved the same core problem, which was to be able to reach thousands of traveling employees within a few seconds based on where they were at any given point in time around the world. And I think that was really the key to success, that we had a laser focus on one core problem. We didn't try to solve 100 problems. Uh, We stay focused on one issue. And it's funny looking back, 
we did not have the term duty of care back then. So we just called our product an emergency messaging system. We didn't know what else to call it. Uh, and then duty of care arrived as a term. And today it's absolute standard and mandatory. But uh, that was not the case back in 2008, 2009, when, uh, when we were launching Contigo. Yeah, that's um, such a great story. Now, then you sold Contigo to Concur, yeah. and you went into you stayed in startup world. You had Mezzi, and now you have numerous strategic advisor and board member positions. So now, when we talk about today, how do you become a global travel tech evangelist, a futurist? What's the <laughs> process, and how can you predict the future? I think. Starting with the first question, how to become uh, you know a, a global travel technology evangelist, as as I call myself, uh, I think it helps when you have lived and worked uh, around the world and seen the different local versions of the travel industry. Because while we have global GDSs, we still have a lot of localized systems that are running around the world. And to kind of really think global, you need to understand. What is normal? What is the way of working? What is the way of doing things? How is travel managed, uh, both from the corporate buyer side, but also from the TMC and the supplier side? Uh, and there are still differences around the world. We we do not have a single global way of doing things. So I have the benefit of having lived in the different regions in Europe, US, and uh, Asia, uh, and been close closely involved. I've been very active going to conferences in all three regions, and I've always made sure to kind of be involved either as a presenter, as a panel participant, or kind of have very active engagement with local experts, because that's the only way you learn. So that's kind of, I would say, how I, I ended up uh, really having a, a global understanding of, of travel technology. Uh, in terms of predicting the future, it's kind of a, <laughs> it, it's interesting I I look at the data that we have access to and then I imagine what could be done with those data if a given new technology arrives. And you can say a good example was when we launched Contigo. At the time, we had all these PNR data sitting in back-end databases used primarily for reporting purposes. And when I started thinking about how the mobile phone was becoming a better and better tool for communicating in writing, uh, it just hit me like a brick that why not send automated messages to the phone uh, based on the itinerary data? So that's kind of how that idea came up. And I would say it's always about looking at what we have and then imagining how can that be used in a new way. Uh, and it starts with data and ends with data in the travel industry because our business is built on data and making smart use of data. And when new technology arrives, right now blockchain is a very exciting new technology capability. Uh, once you understand what blockchain can do and how it works, then you can start imagine a future scenario where travel data become used in a new way on blockchain. Wow, that is so exciting. Uh, that must be so amazing, uh, worth living. If we go, still you go back to your, your career and your journey, I'm sure that you have like, you know, many, many highlights in your, in during these years. Is there one that really tops, tops it all? I would say that there's two actually. One was um, 
in 2008, year kind of two of contiguous existence, we uh, we got nominated, and we were three people at the time, me and my co-founder, Henrik, and our first employee, uh, a software developer called Peter. And we literally got nominated as one of the best new global business solutions at the Mobile World Congress down in Barcelona. Wow. And uh, we were there shortlisted against companies at the time like Cisco and uh, Siemens Network and two other global kind of giants. And then there was little Contigo. <laughs> and so uh, I still remember going up on that stage <laughs> and seeing our name and logo next to these four giants. That that was a, a real highlight because it, it, it was kind of evidence that we have created something that did not exist anywhere else in, in the mobile world. And the other highlight, I would say, that's really a career highlight. I've been lucky enough twice to be included on a business travel news uh, annual uh, 25 most influential people in, uh, in, the, in the global travel industry uh, in 2010 and 2018. 2010 was part of the Contigo journey after we had delivered the S-Cloud kind of communication solutions uh, when the volcano exploded up in Iceland. And in 2018 was part of my work uh, with many different startups where I really, you know, uh, started to focus on helping startups getting going, help them avoid the biggest mistakes and help them connect with relevant opportunities uh, and, and I, I still do that and I really, really enjoy it. And Business Travel News decided that uh, they felt that work was influential enough that uh, they put me back on, on that list. So I would say those two are really highlights being included on their annual top 25 list. That is so cool. This was part one of my interview with Johnny. Join us next Wednesday when we discuss about green travel mindset for aviation Winners, losers, and new startup disruptors in the travel industry post-COVID-19. Johnny also gives some tips for post-COVID outlook for industry players and much more. Please, please subscribe, follow, and leave a review. I would love to find out what you think. Boy, huvin, hare sopra, stay safe.